John. Hello there. Hello there. How are you? Okay. <laughs> yeah? Mm-hmm. You sound equivocal. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I'm leaving it unresolved. Oh, oh, sorry. <clears throat> Let's start it over. Uh, hello? <laughs> it's hard to do, isn't it? No, you just set up talk. Eh. This is the um, Lockpicking Merlin. This <laughs> what I have for you today. Mm-hmm. John, you should drive. You look like you've got a lot. Of, you, first of all, once again, I, uh, my imperator, John Syracusa. Uh, nice job on the uh, dock this week. We really do need to start this thing over, but you've done a nice job of updating it. And I want to I want to congratulate you on that. Yeah, I did think about archiving off some of the old stuff, but it's so far it's hanging in there. So I don't know. I think it's fine. I created probably at this point, like a year ago, I clipped off a bunch of stuff and put it in an archive because, mm-hmm. you know, you never know for the time capsule. Mm-hmm. People are going to want to know what was discussed sure. which week. Yeah, no, definitely. The Google Docs will definitely be preserved. Well, definitely be preserved, like my zips and my jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like it, everything I wrote on Google Wave, it'll just be really well preserved forever. Yes, yes, yes. All those Google Buzz clips that I no Buzz clips was MTV. Sorry, Google Buzz was a thing. What, did, what were they? I think it a pop up video. Google Buzz posts. Yeah. Google, I, I, I don't know. I miss Google sets. I like Google sets. I like Google. What were sets? I don't know. I think I remember Sets that. is you put in John, Paul, and George, and mm-hmm. it says you probably want Ringo. Mm, oh, that's neat. All right. Unfortunately, like, that's the only thing it did. It could just identify missing Beatles. Is that how you publish the whole five site? You just put in four things into Google set? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fifth one's always butts. Secret has been revealed. The fifth element is butts. We've already mm-hmm. got like six titles, so we should probably just wrap. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a little bit of follow-up. We got some, uh, so, oh, thank you. Thank you for typing that. Your cursor's pink on mine. What, what color is my cursor on yours? Red. Mine is red. It's green on mine. Oh, huh. actually, I don't know. Wait, let me see. How can you tell? You're on, you're on here twice. I guess uh, it's like see. a, it's like a. Oh, uh, it's doing that thing. I just, pinkish, I just. Okay. Pinkish red. That's fine. Know. That's fine. You're on there twice. I was, uh, blue at birth, but. Um, you know, could the whole, you know, what if they made the whole show out of titles? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so thirsty. Not that kind of thirsty. I'm sweating. Right, no, I think I'm sweating. I'm, I'm with you. Okay. I appreciate that. Uh, hey everybody. Welcome to, uh, Reconcilable Differences, uh, John's other podcast, episode 166, recording 2021-921. Um, ISO rules everything around me. You should write all these down. These are all very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Hey, this is one of our, uh, our bonus weeks where folks who, uh, choose to, uh, support the program, support the network, support us vis-a-vis give us money. Uh, not only do you get the, uh, th- this program without advertisements in it, as you say, but you, uh, or adverts as they say, uh, in, in the UK and you, uh, you also get some bonus content and I'm, I'm very confused, uh, about what the bonus content will be, but I think it's going to have to do with media. Yep. It's going to be a media thing. And yeah, so we'll talk about some media that we have uh, consumed recently. And what I would we thought love about that. Oh, maybe we should, you know, hmm. I have a, we're going to talk about grit supposedly this week where it's grit redux. And um, I'm, I'm the worst kind of prepared for this. 
I might be even less prepared than the previous times we've talked about grit. Maybe we should save grit for the after show so then only people who pay us will hear me be confused. No, no. After show is definitely the media stuff. Because then the, you don't know, like the media stuff in the main show. It's like, well, what if I didn't watch a show? It's going to be spoiled and then I have to skip it. But if it's in the oh, after show, yeah. I feel like it's more acceptable. Save it for two or three years. Yeah, no, I'm totally into that. Uh, anyway, you can go to relay.fm slash rd, rdrr. I think was Miss Hoover's <laughs> joke. people because that doesn't resolve. If they go to RDRR, it's just a 404. Huh. I mean, Although you we can, should really you talk can, to Mike about that. Well, I think we talked to, to uh, Stepin right. about that. But it, unfortunately, if you do that, uh, the memberful uh, thing means that people will get it at different times. Cut that out, Jim. Anyway, thank you so much for being here. Uh, oh, also, do we want to do one last uh, hurrah for uh, yeah. St. Jude? I can't figure out if this is going to be published in September, but September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and Relay FM is doing their uh, pledge drive for. Just to be clear, we're against we're against uh, childhood cancer. Yeah, That's exactly. your money. Like when people say they're get, raising money for breast cancer, I think we're they should be clearer. To give people cancer. We're trying to cure it for no, sure. No, no, no. That's that's Philip Morris. I think. Yeah, uh, I think I think people know that. Yeah, it looks like I haven't checked in lately, but last time I looked, they had raised a pretty princely some i say they because the the uh, everybody else is oh my goodness look at that mm-hmm. oh my goodness don't let this dissuade you this should persuade you not dissuade you that is this just this year john yes this is just this year okay john uh tell them what you told them this is crazy tell them well so i'm gonna say that the original goal their original cheeky goal like every year when these pledge drives they always make a goal that's like bigger than last year right so i forget what it was last year but this year they said oh okay our new our new goal for this year is going to be Three hundred thirty-three thousand, you know, three hundred thirty-three dollars and thirty-three cents, or something. Just you know, six threes and then three cents, the thirty-three cents. And of course, they blew past that goal, and so they just kept raising it, and they go past it, and they raise it, and they go past it. The most recent goal they set was five hundred thousand and one dollars. Currently raised, we are now at five hundred twenty-four thousand eight hundred ninety-one dollars and fifty-three cents. So you're blown away. Uh, Four hundred eighty thousand of that is people that just wanted to troll and needle Casey Liss. That's right. I mean, we 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 did a pledge drive for this on on pledge drive. We talked about an ATP for the past couple of weeks as well. Uh, we're talking about it here because everyone in Relay is uh, behind this. They just had the podcast on, which was a lot of fun. I, I left that on for most of the day that they did that. Um, so you missed that. Uh, although you can watch it on YouTube, you can watch the replay if it inspires you to give. Uh, the URL you want to go to is stjude.org/relay, uh, and please give what you can. And even if September passes. You can still give money to St. Jude. You can give it all year round. It's just it's Are you September sure about is the month that, that we... Are you, you're I'm, sure about that? I'm 100% positively sure. Do we get any credit for that? We don't get any credit for this either. It's not about getting credit. We're just trying Whoa. to drive. It's a pledge drive. We're driving them like cattle into the chute where they will then drive. give money so that families who have children with cancer don't have to pay anything to... No, no, bill, no bill is presented. That's right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a pretty good gig. Yeah. Which doesn't sound exciting if you live anyplace other than the United States, but the idea that if you live in the United States and your kid has cancer and you would never receive <laughs> a bill from the hospital that cures that cancer is nonsensical, mind-bogglingly amazing. Um, yeah, so pity us here in the U.S. with our terrible healthcare system. Uh, but if you live in the U.S. or otherwise, you can give money to help. And if you live outside the U.S. and you're like, why do I care if U.S. kids have cancer? A, you're a terrible person, and B... Um, hmm. Saint, there is some ad copy that I didn't put in the document, but Saint Jude actually does share their treatments and knowledge with, uh, you know, people around the world. So this, the work done at Saint Jude benefits children over the entire globe, not just kids in this godforsaken country that we call the United States. That's cool of them to do that because if they said "nah," 
you can't have this information. <laughs> that would be, that would be, especially for Danny Thomas, that would be a little bit of a d- move, you know? Uh, and they, and what was the stat? Is the stat in here? Yeah, this is the stat. Uh, you, you dropped a stat last time because you had the copy in front of you, something along the lines of before in the before times, something like two, 20% survival rate. And they've mm-hmm. helped, uh, bring that up to an 80% survival rate for, for kids with cancer. And, you know, I, you know, jokes have left the room for ju- just a minute. Um, boy, they say when you have a kid, it feels like your, your heart, you get your heart moves to the outside of your body. Uh, I just, I cannot even fathom how I would, f- I think about somebody like, um, K files on uh, on Twitter, whose uh, whose daughter, uh, whose infant daughter uh, died of cancer, I think last year, and it's just it's just gutting to think about. Um, so you know, maybe maybe you're you're a, you're a pet pet dad or a pet mom, but like there's somebody in your life that you love, and uh, I usually push this hard. But here's the thing: um, money's hard to come by, and that's why we're always begging you for money because we need your money. Um, but you know, if, if you could do five bucks, that would be really nice. And I bet it would make you feel good too. You know, now, now here's the thing. I used to always do anonymous and just in case you ever see the, the meager amounts of money that I donate to a thing, you could talk me out of this. But the reason I put my name on it is I, I would like you to know that people, you know, and nominally like or admire are doing it too. I would like to think that that helps. And if you want to put your name up there, I think I think that would be nice too. Uh, it's not for clapping. It's it's just a way of saying you know this is a thing that I believe in, and it's gross to do it all the time everywhere. But you have Facebook for that kind of unnecessary bragging. Uh, but in this case, you're gonna you're gonna help a kid, a kid you don't know. You don't need to know. Somebody knows that kid. That kid needs the help. Don't don't let their parents see a bill because this is this America, man. Yeah. So even just a few bucks and it's really easy to give. It's not complicated. You don't, if you give five bucks, you don't have to worry that you're going to be overwhelmed with paperwork or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, if you can give more than five bucks, that's great too. But if you can give $1, that's great. Just sort of, you know, breaking the seal as they say, and just getting into the habit of doing this every year. Uh, once you start doing it, it, it mm-hmm. feels good. It helps the world. Give it a try. Yeah. Is there a way that we could, I mean, I should probably, this is in band, as you say, I should probably save this for the, uh, for our pre-flight, but is there a way that we could say that we're offering matching, but that just means you give us money too? Could that be, could we could call that matching? <laughs> I don't think that's what they mean by matching. Also, I already gave my but, uh, but do, donation, this, my yeah. annual donation to St. Jude. Uh, we talked about it on ATP if you want to hear about it. I did put my name on it. So if you scroll through the list, you can find my name in there too. Yeah, I finally, I finally, uh, I, I do it every year, but I hadn't done it for this particular drive. So I finally did it the other night. It's not a huge amount of money, but you know, this is why you should uh, give, 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 never mind. Um, so thank you very much. Listen, real talk, everybody who's been doing that, thank you so much. Uh, j- just to know that you've made Casey List a little bit unhappy. Uh, should, should, you know, if you don't care that much about kids, uh, at least know that you're needling Casey and it does bother him more than he lets on. That's my guess anyway. I think he kind of got us all this year with his whole like doing, uh, putting in $1 more than Marco and I did. Like, I don't, I don't, I feel like he pulled one over on us this year. Typical, typical. Yeah. Yep, they call that the Virginia fraud. Every case mm-hmm. he has his day. Every rose has its thorn. That's what they say. Hmm. Just like every cowboy, something, something. Sings uh, a sad, sad song. Sings a sad, sad song on a steel horse he rides. Is that right? You need another syllable. He just repeated sad.
This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Instabug. You can learn more about Instabug right now by visiting try.instabug.com slash diffs. Hey, uh, let me tell you something you already know, which is that building mobile apps presents some challenges. Bugs, crashes, and performance issues can be a nightmare for developers. But what if you could not only detect all these issues, but understand the quality of your app from your user's point of view? Well, Instabug's lightweight SDK grabs all the insights you need to build quality apps through comprehensive bug and crash reports, performance monitoring, and real-time user feedback, all in one SDK. With Instabug, you can continuously monitor and measure the performance of your app as perceived by your users. You can engage with your users by letting them report issues and uh, ask questions right from inside your app. You can get all the information you need about bugs, crashes, and other issues. You can fix those issues in record time, all with a focus on privacy and security. And don't worry about the hassle of switching to a new tool because it only takes a few minutes to integrate Instabug into your app. And it fits right into your existing workflow with support for Jira, Slack, Trello, GitHub, Zendesk, or wherever you, uh, whatever you use to handle issues, you know, Instabug. You got to you get it. Get the Instabug. You know, you go to try.instabug.com slash diffs, that's D-I-F-F-S, and you can join over 25,000 top mobile developers around the world who are using Instabug to ship high-quality apps. One more time, it's try.instabug.com slash diffs. And our thanks to Instabug for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Um, and we do have some... God, you're breaking my heart with the follow-up, John. You just can't let me have, have anything. You have some follow-up on Brian Wilson said. That's a, song, I'm correcting right? myself, not you. I'm the one who but said I, this. I, I, but I, I thought I really hit it out of the... Well, at least out of the batter's box with um with knowing with guessing that the song you're john john mentioned a song last week we were having fun with uh the jackie wilson said and you said there's a song called brian wilson said if i choose for fears and i had guessed somewhat wildly was it on the selling the seeds of love record you said it was so now you're correcting both of us where, where can you find the song brian wilson said well sure but i'm 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 mostly correcting myself all you did was ask a question i'm the one who gave the incorrect answer so you're Just not asking being corrected. the question i'm like I'm like I'm like Joe Rogan. I just ask the question, you know. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> multiple sources of confusion here. So, this is one of those things where <laughs> when I was that should be, that should be was, on my family crest. Yes. When I was listening back to the episode, this very often happens. I was listening back to the episode, and I heard you ask that. You know, oh, Brian Wilson said, "Is that from the album with Song of the Seeds of Love?" And then I heard myself say, "Yes." I immediately knew it was wrong. Listening mm. to myself. But, and that's very often happens, like in the moment, oh yeah, sure, no, that's totally it. But then listening back, you know, a few days distant from it, I'm like, why would you say that? That's wrong. Um, so, correction. Brian Wilson <gasps> said is from the album Elemental, which is, uh, was released in 1993. So, one of their, one of their quote-unquote recent albums, uh, <laughs> the new Tears for Fears. The yeah. new Tears for Fears record for me is Sowing the Seeds of Love. Right. Uh, and the, the album that you're referring to with the song Sowing the Seeds of Love on it, the title of that album is called The Seeds of Love, and that was 1989. So uh, you regret the mistake. Did you actually listen to the Brian Wilson set song, by the way, after no, I haven't listened last week's yet. episode? But you did a good job. You, did, you put in your links. It wasn't just in the doc. So I was really pleased. You did a really nice job it with starts that. It starts in the doc, and then it ends in the links. It could just it's end like in the, the water links, cycle, John. but for links. No, it could. Talk about it the water doesn't. table? Huh. <laughs> Um, I have a correction too. I, I didn't go, I didn't look this up, but I, I, I think I, uh, you know, last week, uh, I had kind of a crazy week and, uh, I had an adult beverage and half an edible 
And I, I uh, you know, I did exactly the kind of thing John's talking about, which is blah, 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 blah. I'm talking along. Everything's fine. Do, 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 as, as John sings. And uh, I, and by the way, I never heard back from any of you on, on how, what John's song is. I'll find it. I'll find it in Descript. But you know what? I really screwed up last week and you were nice enough not to correct me. I totally conflated two different, uh, what's his name? Michael Jordan? Who's the guy? Michael, I, I conflated two different Michael Keaton movies last week and I'm covered with shame. I thought you were doing it on purpose because no, it, sounds it wasn't like a, a bit. bit. I just I conflated well, Mr. Mom and Gung Ho. Right, but they had there are <sighs> a lot of similarities in them. Well, where did he work? Okay, so let me get this straight. So Terry Gar, okay. she's in Tootsie. She's also she was in Mr. Mom, correct? She's the go-go successful executive lady wife in Mr. Mom, correct? Terry Gar. I think so. Okay, and, and her boss is Martin Mull, right? Sure. And like she's like a she's like a high end interior designer, okay. Sure. Where had Michael? Ke- I thought Michael Keaton got laid off from the mm-hmm. Japanese Toyota style factory. Gung Ho is the one where Getty Watanabe comes in to to fix the automobiles, and that's what I was confusing. Where did Michael Keaton work before he was working at home in Mister Mom? He got laid off though, right? Okay. According to the Wikipedia page, he got mm. the, laid off from his job at Ford. So it was an automobile place. That's what I'm saying. There's not there. There are some similarities in these '80s Michael Keaton. You know, there are similarities. White suburban. John, John life where's movies. Grandpa's automobile? That's a different movie. <laughs> no, it's not. It's part of the larger Getty Watanabe <laughs> universe. Am I saying that right? Is it Getty Lee? What's the guy's name? Getty Watanabe. Isn't that his name? Hmm. Probably. I think it's, I want to say Getty Watanabe. Yeah. It's, it's strange the things that a person remembers. I have a lot of blocks I need to reclaim. Uh, this morning we were watching uh, one of our favorite, uh, family favorite episodes. Because you know what will happen is when my kid and I go to get bagels, and if there is time to watch a little TV before school, which we encourage, uh, we'll sometimes talk about what we want to watch, which is usually Grey's Anatomy or Community. And I... I mentioned what what I think might be. Have you seen Parks and Rec? Some little tiny bits. Some. Okay, um, what I consider to be, for whatever reason, one of the most quotable episodes of the show, which is the one I don't remember what it's called, but it's the one where they have the time capsule, and they have to decide what gets to go in the time capsule. It's got so much to love about it. April is trying to make Andy jealous, and so she started seeing um, <laughs> started seeing the guy from Venezuela, David Matthews, crash into me. That guy. And, uh, but it also, it's got a wonderful, one of the classic Parks and Rec um, meetings where the citizens come. And, and for notes, I will find a compilation of various citizen meetings, town halls on uh, Parks and Rec. But it's the one where uh, Will Forte appears as the guy who's super into Twilight and wants Twilight to be in the time capsule. Have you seen this episode, John? I don't think so, but I've heard you talk about it before. No Twilight. Yes, Twilight. That one. You know what I'm talking about? And he yeah. says, shut up, Kelly. He says, make me, Bob. It's very, very quotable. And there's all the people with their objections about it. There's, there's the guy who wants his, uh, his cat, I think the ashes of his cat to be in there, you know, except for Turnip, except for Turnip, that one. Also, he's also mm-hmm. the guy who in a different one says ham and mayonnaise. There's that guy. And then you got the guy who's really worried about what's going to happen. And, and, and he's worried there's going to be a flu pandemic. And, and, it's, and they say, well, what do you want us to do? And he says, I don't know. I'm just scared. It's really funny. It's a good episode. I should make it homework. I'll put it in your homework area. Hey, wait, do we take the homework area away? 
You oh, moved good. it down because it was it was. Too I did oppressive. move it yeah. down. That was smart. Okay, I'm gonna put this on John's uh, Parks and Rec time capsule. John doesn't like to laugh, unfortunately. That's why he mutes so much. When he's at I home do, watching but TV, I'm very, well, very something particular makes you laugh at home. Comments. You mute, right? Isn't that what you do? Mm, yeah, not when I'm watching my stories. <laughs> I love to laugh. Does anybody remember laughter? Parks and Rec mm-hmm. time capsule. Okay. Speaking um, of laughter. I screwed up is what I want to say. And I want to apologize to Getty Watanabe and to Terry Gar and to Martin Mull and to the great Michael Keaton, the titular Batman. I want to apologize that I can I, I conflated, I concatenated. I, I said cat cat Michael Keaton.txt and then it did it. I think people thought you were doing a bit and and purposely combining two uh, similar Michael Keaton movies. So I think it worked just fine. So don't worry. Should I have half an edible before every recording? No. Is that is that a health thing or a friend thing or a professional thing? All of the above? I think it's professionalism. Do you agree? Yes, I totally agree. Huh. Yeah. You could definitely oh. have one after, though, for sure. Okay, I'm wearing pants, so I feel like I'm already partway like, there. Like a dessert, you know? A dessert. Is there anything else that I screwed up last week? I'm trying to remember. I should go look at the notes. Uh, I don't I don't think I screwed up anything else. So anyway, speaking of Getty Watanabe, you were going to say. No, I was saying, speaking of, what was I saying? Speaking of laughter? Speaking of happy things? Yes. I was trying to make a comical transition to our oh, first item in the many topics that you have not seen. <laughs> that's right your uh-huh. segue i have a segue i have i have two segues you have, and you i'm have currently a leasing scoot, a third scoot. scooter yeah i know i heard about that one i was trying to catch up to see if i could get the story on our first mini topic and i didn't catch up entirely but i did hear about your travails of now trying to ride in the street where the cars live and Ugh. try to kill you oh god they're the worst oh well here now i got now i got two problems it's like i'm like using regular expressions right i got two problems now because it's always i've got this new scooter that I'm leasing, leasing, I'm rented monthly. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a lease. Mm-hmm. I've led it, as they say in England. I've led a scooter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and the thing is, like, I'm, like I say, I'm not loving it. But also, I got, a, I got a teaser email that they're about to, that Unagi is about to make a big announcement. Apparently, they're going to change the way people travel. And that's coming in a couple mm. days. Mm-hmm. So maybe that'll be one that balances better and you can ride on a sidewalk. Yeah, you know, as though I was just thinking about this the other day, reading about speaking of segues and reading about stories. I was thinking about the whole you remember, do you remember with the, the original Segway rumor? There was some a, a magazine article uh website posts about it. Steve Jobs Steve Jobs says it will change the way that cities are built. Exactly, right? That was the and whole thing. Like, when Dean came in, Dean came in had shown it to a hand. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Dean came in had shown yeah. it to a handful of people. And pretty much across the board, every person who saw it and spoke publicly, it kind of, well, the person who really killed the Segway uh, is, a, is a guy I like who works at Slate, who accidentally got some information out about the Segway before it was public. Very good podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, but Steve Jobs in particular was like, this is unbelievable. We're, the cities will be different now. Right. And that that specific thing is what I was thinking about hearing about you. Oh, you got to ride the scooter in the street because it's faster than the little Segway thing that you normally ride on. And yeah, they yeah. Don't, you're not supposed to do it on the sidewalk because you could hurt people or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you know, this this balancy wheel thing. Uh, remember that story when we said, well, Steve Jobs said it will change the way cities are built. Ha ha, I was so overblown. You know, it would have been useful. What? If they changed the way cities were built to accommodate things like bicycles and scooters, <laughs> like it's it's not like science fiction, right? They actually right, right, do, right. in other places on the on the planet, 
they change the way cities are built to have protected bike lanes and protected scooter lanes. <laughs> and it's like, you don't need the Segway to do that. You can just make protected bike lanes. Like, everything's fine. We have right. technology. It's called, like, concrete and paving. It's a thing but, we can but do. But that's also, not Ugh. to go on, on, a, on a tear here, but that's a little bit of the car mindset, though, is the whole, like, well, we've all silently, uh, we've all quietly agreed that cars are the reason that cities exist, by and large, at least in, in a lot of the U.S., and that, like, suburbs like there's all this stuff that requires cars and like wouldn't it be adorable if we had this fantasy magic kingdom world where people <laughs> rode around on their steve wozniak you know scooter well but well that's the thing like like the segway rumor was like the only way you can possibly change how cities are built is if you have some amazing new device that steve jobs thinks is awesome and like no you can just have bicycles and just and we're not saying it's going to change the way the suburbs are built. No one is right. going to ride their segway. Well, it's not going to change the way highways are constructed because the highway is right. It's not going to change the way interstates are constructed. Exactly. Specifically, change the way cities are built, where there are tons of people in a small space and and, and mm-hmm. areas precious. Oh God! I, so it's just another it another sort of COVID disappointment is like that we that we live this life and they t- changed all the parking spots into outdoor seating and put these terrible like uh, barricades up against them. And it's like, well, the second things get better, that's got to become a parking spot again. It's like, I hope enough business owners like learned the lesson that like, you know what? If we turn these parking spots into places where people can sit, actually my business doesn't decrease. And in some cases it increases. Imagine that if only there other people in the world had ever tried this and we had ever looked at right. what they did and listened to them. But of course that doesn't happen. I'm reminded of um, some videos. I think one in particular that has been going around a lot lately. I saw it as recently as today. And it's um, interviews that, I want to say a national outlet, but in any case, when the, so there were the seatbelt, there were the seatbelt things that happened in the 70s and 80s. And then I think it was the early to mid 90s when there was finally going to be a lot of laws on the books. And you know what this is, you've seen this, but it's basically going into the diner where all the guys are wearing trucker caps and ask them how they feel about legally being required to wear a seatbelt. I know this is tired, but it's true and it's real. You go in and you talk to all these people and it, you can just do S slash seatbelt slash COVID because it's basically, it's the same thing. It's like, no, I, America is about freedom. Nobody's going to tell me to wear a seatbelt. And now you flash forward and it's like, there's a lot of reasons that automobiles are safer, right? I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons. I, I remember in driver's ed talking about how cars used to be bigger and have plate glass and the lanes were narrower and et cetera, et cetera. But a huge part of that is is seatbelts. And now we've somehow managed to uh, hopefully mostly, if you're not Tucker Carlson and worried about your precious bodily fluids, by and large these days, you don't feel emasculated by living. Um, and I feel like there's a similar kind of thing that happens in in this sort of discourse, which is like, hey, look, I don't like cars. And I'm not even saying you should ban cars. But like, this is a hot topic in our literal house. Because so like, as you said, when COVID came along, one way to try and keep things like restaurants and bars in business was, as you said, to say like, we here we call them parklets, but to to basically have this thing where, you know, let me put it this way. When COVID came along, stuff happened in San Francisco that nobody in a million years believed would happen. Just like in a lot of places in America, accommodations had to be made. And one of those accommodations was you're allowed to build these little parklets, which used to be a real hassle. But even before that, you were allowed to like have people sitting on the sidewalk. Not in a million years. You do anything with zoning in San Francisco, and it's the hugest deal. There's been so many things like that. I mean, I guess the, arguably the biggest example of this is work from home. 
where like so many places had a policy of like you can't work from home or you better have a really good reason for not being in the office today. I saw yesterday, I think I saw that the, the Airbnb is not making their employees come back until next like fall or something like that. But of course, that's part of this larger omnibus BS thing they're trying to push. But anyway, one of the amazing things that happened in San Francisco is if you go all the way out west, even further west than where I live, you have something called the Great Highway, which is by Ocean Beach. And it's this strip, if you've ever seen like the famous windmill on the cover of that Red House Painters record, it's where the Cliff House is. It's where, so Ocean Beach is this big stretch, nasty beach out west of here. And the Great Highway as this road, a two-lane road right next to the beach that is unsurprisingly like frequently covered with sand that and it has to be cleaned because sand blows up from, you know, the beach. There's an ocean and stuff. And during COVID, they closed the Great Highway full stop and made it just for pedestrians, bikes, skating, hanging out, basically. And it was amazing. It was really, really cool. And a lot of people utilized it. We utilized it. Why is it hot in my house? Um... My, my lady friend, who's become wonderfully more of an activist recently uh, about various local issues, one of the things she was, has become very active about is, hey, look, when they announce that they're going to reopen the Great Highway, no, 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 please, let's keep this closed. It's not necessary. It's not having an impact on traffic. Uh, and there's some, some very funny documentation of how little it has an impact on traffic. But no, they, they reopened it. So now we lost this wonderful thing. A lot of the people who actually live in San Francisco and live near there, like, care about it. We'd love to have it back. Like, there should be a place where you can go. And it's not, it's, it's just, it's not even like, we're not talking about Van Ness Avenue. We're not talking about Market Street. We're talking about the Great Highway. Like, it's, it's okay. You'll find another way to get into the parking lot at the zoo. You'll figure it out. Go to slow. Take a right. You'll figure it out. But um, um, a, a friend of the show, uh, a guy I know from the internet, uh, I think his name's Tag, he did this hilarious video of like, oh my God, you're not going to believe the craziness that's happening at Lincoln and 46th. You're, you're not going to believe the traffic. He set up a camera for five minutes at the main intersection that is, has an impact from Great Highway being closed. And there's a car like every four minutes. So they had to close this because of traffic or you know, they had to reopen it because of traffic. It's totally bananas. My wife's still mad about it. So by extension, I'm still mad about it. It's like, man, can we, can we learn something from this? Like, people are using electric bikes more. People are doing all this stuff more. And I'm not saying we got to get all the cars off the road or close all the roads. I'm not saying anything like that. But like, you know, here out in the sunset, we have this uh, 20th Avenue up the street from me a little bit is uh, the bike lane, this, the slash pedestrian lane. So chosen because it has the least amount of grade of any contiguous road in the western part of San Francisco. And it's still very hilly. But like that's got a bike lane, so I can scoot up that, and it doesn't disrupt anything. It's, I don't know. I'm sorry. I just ranted, and I apologize. But like, you know, it's. I think people. I know this is true for me, and I, I think it's true for a lot of other people. Is that there are things that happen in the world that we then decide to take it, as I say on Mister Show, take it personal and make it personal. And I think when people say things like, "Well, you know." the great highway road that almost nobody uses is going to be closed. Like that's some kind of anti-car thing. And therefore I've got to be mad about it because I'm a car guy. And it's like, well, there's a lot of people like if you've got a baby, it's so nice to have a place you can push your baby around. Like that's why, that's the reason we got a pass to the zoo, 
which is near the Great Highway. So you can just go there. You walk around till your kid falls asleep, and then you got a muni and come home. I don't know. I just I wish we'd learned something. When we do our post, 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 post mortem on this, we should wrap round back around to the lessons we didn't learn in America. Yeah, the traffic thing is or the road thing is it's frustrating because like you know, the, the concept of induced demand is not like a new concept. It's been around for literal decades, um, tested a million times over. It might as well be a law of the universe. Induced demand is like basically if you build a bigger road, more cars come, right? So like, you know, if you think- A lot of good, lot of good YouTube videos on this. Yeah, it's not like, it's not, this is not a, it turns out not a radical thing. It's like 101 of like road design, right? It's, mm-hmm. It is not a sophisticated concept. The problem is that- from a quote unquote common sense perspective, if you are running for office and your constituents complain about traffic and you promise to build a new road, the common sense thing is like, oh, that'll fix the traffic because regular right. people don't know about induced demand because even though it is, you know, traffic design 101, people aren't traffic designers, right? They're just regular people. And when they are stuck in traffic, they think if this road had one more lane, there would be less traffic here, right? Or if there was another road, there would be less traffic. And so that cycle just repeats. And I think the only way you can sort of break that cycle is essentially like education, right? You know, and anything having to do with the education system is fraught. But like, I guess you have to teach people about induced demand and show them in their social studies classes for their entire, you know, primary educational career. Like, look at these cities in Europe that don't have a million parking spots and people get place to place by walking and riding bikes and how much happier they are and how inexpensive bike infrastructure is and so on and so like you basically have to do it there so that when they're stuck in traffic as an adult and someone runs for office and promises to build a new highway you, they get a little like dental plan lisa needs braces induced <laughs> demand lisa needs braces you know like <laughs> that's what you need in the back of their head i don't know if it'll work but i feel like it's the only way to because for my whole life i mean granted my dad is a civil engineer so i have actually been hearing about this my whole life right. and maybe have more but but it seems it seems so intuitive that this is what makes it such a turns out and that's why this is actually a topic that is oddly well suited for youtube i'm pretty sure cgp gray has gone, done one wendover might have done one on this but there's the, there's this kind of this very surprising phenomenon which is like let's say you got a two lane road and you turn it into a six lane road and you're like, oh my God, there's no way in the world that we'll ever fill up the capacity on this. But like, you know, uh, life finds a way. When it becomes quicker to go on the highway, more people will go on that highway and they will fill it up in no time until it slows things down. And now you're, what are you going to do? Make a, make a 14 lane highway? No, yeah, no, they just, they just get adding lanes. You end up, you end up with Atlanta. Atlanta has like 8,000 <laughs> lane highways right. and the traffic is terrible. And it's just, they add more lanes and it gets more terrible. And whatever lane you're in will eventually be an exit only lane. I remember the first time that I heard, I think my friend Jonathan told me this and I was like, Pfft. and he was like, you know, the thing is, um, if everybody on the highway would just go approximately the same speed and rarely, if ever hit their brakes, all traffic would I, I, I move remember, faster. I remember saying this to my father when I was like, literally like, you know, four years old. Right. I, you know, and then having my father explain to me, my father, the civil engineer, Explain to me that why that won't work. So I, I've again and, and known that internalized it from a very young age. But, it, but it's no, it's to, it's like it's the exactly it's the it's the question of a five year old. But most people don't, you know, when you're stuck in traffic, of course that's the thing that you think. It seems like that would work. And then nowadays you got to have the uh, the magical self driving uh, tech bros swoop in and say, yeah, but with self driving cars we can actually do that. It's like, all right, calm down, let's just yeah. You know. And some percentage of them will will plow into a truck because they were mm-hmm. eating three burritos. Yeah, that's um, fine. but um, my understanding you know, of it is that it's that. That, that like, and again, this is, this is something you can illustrate pretty well with a video, 
which is like one person hits their brakes, the next person hit their brakes. That has this cascading effect. Then people have to get back up to speed. I'm not saying everybody should go 35 miles an hour, but that aggro, you know, testosterone male thing of like, bam, like hitting it and going forward and then hitting your brakes. So, so you're saying, what does your civil engineer dad have to say? Is he saying that that's, it turns out that I, that I, I and YouTube are incorrect about that? No, no, he's saying exactly what you said. Like every, whatever YouTube video forever will always say about this, which is like it's a dynamic system where even though you think from your local perspective you could solve this problem, it doesn't actually work because there is a delay, there is lag for everyone reacting. And so you can see from, from your micro perspective in your car, it's like everybody just go. But from the macro mm-hmm. perspective, you see like just exactly like you said, and you see in the YouTube videos, waves rippling outward from whatever the thing that happens. Oh, I slowed down because... Yeah. I wanted to read that exit sign. And you watch that person who slowed down by five miles an hour, that move ripples throughout the human, you know, uh, nervous system of all the cars for miles and, in, in, uh, you know, behind them. Like, it's very easy to demonstrate on the macro scale. And again, this is not like they just discovered this now. Like, they've known this forever, right? It's just mm-hmm. it doesn't fit with people's common sense knowledge of how to do things. And so that's, again... We get our political system, you get a politician who's promising to do something. I, I'm going to say that at five o'clock, everyone will go. And no one's tried that yet. But um, like you come up with these ideas that seem like they work and you get elected to office and you do what you said and you build more roads. And it's just and, 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 you know, again, like everything else in this country, we have this view of just what's in front of us. And it's like, yes, it works right. literally every place else in the world, but it can't work here because we're Americans. If everyone else would drive, drive like me, this would be better. But life is complicated. I watched a frontline, a very depressing frontline last night about um, uh, America after 9-11. And I guess I took a lot of heat in from some dear friends of mine when I would roll my eyes about the you know posters of Obama that said hope on them. Like, I get it. But I was also like, you're telling me the politician from Illinois is going to be the one who brings hope back to America. And like, but then, you know, I was real bought in. I, I wanted it to go well. And I, but like, I guess I... And one of the mini cuck libs who kind of overlooked a lot of the kind of super crappy stuff in the Obama years, especially the drone stuff. And they're talking about just how, you know, Obama came into office and one of his main campaign platforms or planks, I guess, was to end the wars and especially in Afghanistan. <laughs> and it wasn't that that long until he was conducting more drone strikes than Debbie had. You know, there's these things that come along and like once you're, this is a David Simon thing maybe, but like once you're in the system, maybe it's his view from the inside that that brings that about. But the thing that you ask that person to do, whether that's end the war or build more lanes or whatever, like they can advertise on that to get into office. But even if they're being as credulous, as honest, as transparent as they can be, like stuff changes and you end up with something different. And if, if saying I'm going to build a 40 lane highway gets you into office, people are going to start saying that. And then somebody else will say, well, I'm going to be able to build a 42 lane highway. I'm going to be better than the other guys, you know? And, you know, construction projects like that's the sad thing about it. construction projects like that also have uh, a benefit to be like, oh, well, actually, if I actually do build a whole bunch of stuff, those are a bunch of jobs that I could hand out to all the people who backed me politically and all right, my friends. Right. And it's like it's great to have a project like that. But the thing is. You can do that same thing for building public transportation or protected bike lanes. Like you can also have the same graft and corruption like we promised. Like any construction project, you can have all that stuff. So it's like we don't have to take everything away from you, politician. You'll still get to be corrupt. Right. But just instead of building more highways, like, it, it, you know, the induced demand works like, like you just said when the, the great highway was closed and people were using it. If you things start to move in that direction, 
like if the highway is there, like you said, and it's if it's quick to to get where you're going, people mm-hmm. use the highway. If the highway is literally not there and people with strollers are on it, like it's closed, just like the seatbelt law, it's like, well, I guess I can't take the great highway because it's closed. And so then maybe you take public transportation, and then more people take public transportation. Their budget is based on how exactly. many people ride, possibly, exactly. and like and like you get, you get the cycle going the other direction. It's like you can you're not a slave to continue to build more roads. The fewer roads you have, it's not like, oh, the traffic will be so bad and no one will be able to go anywhere. No, they'll do use more public transportation and funding can go towards that. It's like, yeah, I look at our yeah. cities now, it's it's like a miracle to me that New York City subway was ever created, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, because today, if it didn't exist, no one would do it. They would like, but how would the cars get around? And you disrupt traffic by drinking all those tunnels under the city. What a terrible idea. Tunnels under the city. That's just crazy. science fiction. It's ridiculous. <sighs> I don't know. I've... I've I took us, we've gone a way left turn into ranting about how this country is broken. We took us way off the topic that I wanted to get to that you possibly you're trying to avoid. Well, yeah, I thought, wait, okay. Do I have one more thing about this? I don't have to have one more thing about this. Um, I, okay, here's what I'm going to say about this. And I think this, this might be true for all times. And it's, it's so depressing to be in your mid fifties before this realization really settles on you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is a statement that might be truer now than it's ever been. But let's say you're talking about a candidate. And the candidate wants to get into office. And the candidate says things that you says says that they will give you things that you would like. I think I think in a lot of America, yeah, there's the benefits of of getting all these things that you said you wanted, whether you need them or want them or not. But I think a lot of politics is finding a way to to say to somebody who you want to support you, you know what, you were right all along. I feel like there's so much in the American polity right now that comes back to, I just want somebody to admit that I was right all along. And so if you you could say to that person, you're right, well, my gosh, where are you going to drive your five Broncos if you don't have the great highway? You were right all along. Or you say to the other person, oh, you're right. You know, your electric bike with the baby holder on it is exactly the thing. Let's, let's do this with a great highway. You know what? You were right all along. I think a lot of stuff in America is secondary or, secondarily or even tertiarily about getting a thing you think you want and that think part is important, the thing you claim you want um, because you've decided that's what you want. But I really think the, one of the biggest parts of that is just pretty much everybody in America wants everybody else to tell them you were right all along. That sounds like the uh, campaign slogan on a, a politician in a Stephen King story where the politician <laughs> is super evil. Vote Merlin, you were right all along. <laughs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Privacy.com. To learn more about Privacy.com right now, you just go and you visit Privacy.com slash diffs. Privacy is a tool that makes it easy to manage your financial life online while keeping your most important information secure. By generating virtual numbers, Privacy masks your bank information so you never have to worry about giving it out to people you don't know online. I sure do like the uh, sound of that. You know, a lot of these places, I, I got to admit, I, I don't understand a ton about uh, about how, how credit and debit cards work. I, I thought I understood how Apple Pay works, but still now Walgreens wants me to enter a PIN and I'm all like, what? I don't understand. Walgreens used to be the good guys. All I know is I do not want people getting my stuff, including Christian daters or the people who pretend to be them. It's very frustrating to me. So, so, so you can go and you check out privacy.com, right? Right? You, you understand? You, you, uh, you take back control of your payments, all right? You're going to decide who can charge your card, how much, and how often. It's your card. You should decide. You know what I'm saying? 
You can close cards at any time. Plus, you can make sure that you are never accidentally billed twice or upgraded to another service without your consent. Boy, I'm loving this. And Privacy has partnered with the very good people over at 1Password so you can create, use, and save privacy cards directly within your 1Password dashboard. All virtual cards created in 1Password will have the same security benefits as your other privacy cards. And you can set spend limits. Uh, you can create single-use or merchant-locked cards whenever you want. Man, how could you not? So right now, you go now. Go, go to privacy.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. And you're going to sign up for your new account. New customers will automatically get five American dollars to spend on their first purchase. Nothing wrong with that. One more time, you go to privacy.com slash diffs and sign up now. Our thanks to Privacy for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. Okay. This is your topic. This is your topic. My time. I do that. Mm hmm. Uh, Okay, so so I'm okay. All right, all right. My cat died, and uh, and at this point, this is starting to seem farcical. This is only the second place I've said this that I'm aware of publicly, but I, I didn't want the death of my cat to turn into a whole thing, let alone like an internet content source of content for the internet. There are people like there are Jason Snells in the world who have a a unique ability to make their job doing their job, and I, and I that's I don't mean that in a slight way. I mean like I love the way that Jason is able to do the kinds of things that he's done for over 20 years, but then also be able to say, oh yeah, and here's a write-up on how I did that and blah, blah, blah. And I, I think he and to some extent, Mike are both really good at that. But like, I don't want my life to entirely become, let's say I'm not a van lifer. I don't want my entire life to become a thing that is uh, a thing I have to talk about on the internet. My cat died and uh, my cat died. I have not caught up on the. I on talked the about it on the Dubai Friday after show because I didn't want to make it a whole thing. Okay, so that's why I haven't heard of you. So I'm just, I'm just nearing. No, 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 but go, go, go. I, I can memorialize my cat. Yeah, I'm just nearing the end of the of the Dubai Friday episode. I'm gotten to the after show. The way I found out about this was sitting in bed, and my wife said to me, "Merlin's cat died," and I thought oh, she was making Madeline, a joke because Madeline I had, tweeted about it. Because, because I had just, yeah, because I had just uh, listened she did to it the to Dubai me Friday again. episode. <laughs> That's the second time. That's the second time in like two months she's done this to me. I just listened to uh, the episode of Dubai Friday where you were joking about your cat dying because it was having a medical grooming procedure and you were worried it's a very old cat. It's not healthy. Is it going to handle the anesthetic or whatever? And you're making uh, what I thought was a joke throughout the episode of, boy, I hope my cat doesn't die. Yeah. I'm waiting for the call to find out if she's dead. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And, And my wife says, Merlin's cat died? I said, no, that was just a joke in Dubai Friday. He says, no, his wife just tweeted. That, his, that her cat died a week ago. I'm like, a week ago? So that's mm-hmm. how I found out. Sorry Same way that. I found about I didn't want you to find out things. this way. But anyway, it's very sad. You, your cat was a grotesque monster, but yep. she was your grotesque monster. And I thought, rather than talking about, okay, fine, you know, it's, it's sad the cat died. Uh, all You know, anyone who has had pets for a long period of time knows that they don't, in general, unless they're a turtle or a bird, maybe, live as long as humans do. So if you get a pet, you will probably also eventually have to say goodbye to that pet. Um, and what I put in the main topics here, I thought we would do a tribute instead of oh, it, what, what, what you two, what, what you two would call a wake. Well, I don't, I don't have enough experience with, uh, with like the, the, uh, the traditions and ceremonies surrounding people dying, thankfully. Uh, but yeah, like right. the type of thing where you said, let's, let's celebrate the life of this incredibly disgusting cat She's rather horrible. than yeah. dwelling 
on the death of this cat. And I think, I mean, from from a distance, as someone who has not ever met or lived with this cat, uh, you know, her grotesquerie was her mm-hmm. most salient attribute. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. was what made her enjoyable from a distance. And also what you talked about a lot on your podcast, even though you said you don't want to live your life through your podcast, dealing with your cat and your cat's stuff and issues has made for lots of good podcast content. And okay. I thought we could just, you know, have, have a tribute to your cat, to the life I of your will... cat, to the life that you were able to give your cat, because this is a cat with a lot of problems, and you took yes. on those problems bravely, generously, <laughs> and gave that cat, uh, I think what I said in the messages, the best life yes. that a cat like that could ever possibly hope to have. Short right? of the inevitable death that would finally bring it the sweet release that R- it right. really needed. True, yeah. yes. But I mean, like... I mean, expensive litter robots that you sat next to to try to get work and returned and got a different one. Stepping in the very cold pee, just picking up all all of the leavings, buying a fun lizard friend for the cat. It's like like finding half a Tootsie Roll. Good morning. Come on in. Have half a Tootsie Roll. It's here by the door. Um, I will do that. What I'm going to do off the dome, totally unprepared, is may I share with you um, some some, uh, sweet memories of the cat? And th- that maybe are also kind of unintentionally sweet memories about my Yes, family. please do. And, Is that and, okay? and by the way, your wife, <laughs> yeah. who, who I have not seen say anything mean about your cat, even though it is a, was a grotesquerie, said that she lost her kitty and she was sad. She did. She did. Um, and over, over COVID, you know, they've become real good pals. Um, yeah, the lizard was hanging out with her today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did, 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 find, find your the lizard too, crawled was, under her crutches funny. and went like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got. I gotta find her tweet. Find her tweet because she made it funny. Maybe she's the funny yeah. one. Yeah, no, it's it's really it's really sweet. Well, and the thing is, she. Do you remember what, what she mentioned? Said? Yeah, yeah. She said, uh, "My kitty died last week, and I'm so something. Like I'm so starved for daytime um, companionship that I, there's a fly on her desk, and she said, "What are you doing?" As though. As though I was talking to my pet. Now, what she didn't do in that, which I think is, is you know, she she didn't put a hat on a hat. You have to say that, like Patton Oswalt, doing his impersonation of the couple in the Stella Doro Breakfast Street commercial, which is where I got that. You ready? You want to hear it? What are you mm-hmm. doing? And so I would do that. I would walk up to the cat sometimes and I'd go, what are you doing? And uh, And so she would do that. We'd say, or we'd say, or, you know, so we say, well, okay, here's the thing. Okay, okay. You talk to your animals, right? You talk, you talk to your animals, and the way we talk to our animals is a lot like the way we talk to our daughter when she was uh, <laughs> a toddler. Well, like all the time, we'd say we'd we'd look at her, and she'd look, and she'd have this very the baby would have this very perplexed look on her face, like she was very concerned or about to fart. And and, and uh, this is sort of a quote from Rushmore, but but it's a paraphrase. I would say, "What do you think, Eleanor?" And then she'd just keep staring at me. You know, like, what do you think, Mr. Little Jeans? I'd say, what do you think, Eleanor? And she would just stare at me and fart. Um, but with the cat, yeah, we would. Uh, so here's, here's some uh, various random memories. The, the way we uh, ended up getting the cat, as I've mentioned, was I thought I was getting a different cat. I thought of the three horrific creatures that lived at these people's house, I thought we were getting Midgey. I thought we were getting Midget, who, who's, who's the cute cat. Now, Midget died a couple years ago, so it's not like it would have bought us a lot of extra time, but Midget is a cute cat. This is the cat. This is like the, uh, oh God, who wrote the book? You know, The Mad Woman in the Attic. This is like the cat you, you, you hide. This is the, yeah. And so, so there's Midgey, there's Savvy, and there's Bad Cat. And Bad Cat's the one that used to beat up our cat. So anyway, they brought the cat home, and, and I was very kind of like, Bressa, Fressa, Schnegel, Bressa, don't want to have a cat. 
And I didn't want to have a cat. But um, she came into our life and she, because she had been very bullied by, by bad cat, she essentially hid under the bed mostly, I want to say for almost two weeks. She didn't eat or drink. I don't know if you know this about animals, John, but especially cats, they, uh, they can go a really long time without doing the sorts of eating, drinking, peeing, pooping things. Like it's, it can be concerning how long a, a cat who's freaked out can be under the bed and not do anything normal and cat-like apart from being, you know, an under the bed cat. And so that was the, for a long time, you know, and so of course we're, we're hyper attenuated to this new animal and I'm thinking like, oh God, can't we just have a normal cat that comes and hangs out? I don't really want a normal cat. Like if I had Alex's cat, I'd lose my goddamn mind. All their cat does all day long is like n- knock things off of other things and stare at you. The cat is an idiot and I don't want that cat. But the cat was under the bed for so long. She was for like three years. She was so skittish around us. But I'll, I do remember super clearly, I think the family had already gone to bed and the cat was out and walking around. And the cat had been captured on the canary camera. And it was all I could do not to wake up the family and say, would you look at this? The cat is walking around the house. And it was such a big deal. And that was the beginning of lots of little milestones. And th- thank goodness for the canary camera that I got rid of a while ago. But that way during the day, we could like spy on the cat. And we'd say like, oh, she's gone into, she's gone into Emma's room. Or it looks like, you know, and then one day, one day, I don't know where our cat who does nothing. Cat like got somehow got onto the cable table and walked directly in front of the canary camera, and it looked like a Peter Jackson monster movie. This giant faced horrible cat like staring into the camera. So it was fun and exciting for her to become part of the family. And there were so many little steps along the way of her becoming less totally freaked out. You know, because I think even in the best of cases with cats, there's all kinds of advice about this. Like, set the cat up in a guest bathroom and keep the door closed for a couple of days. The, that seems mean, but the cat will actually be more comfortable like uh, um, acclimating to this, this new environment. But then there were other things like that. Like the first time she let us pet her. I have so many pictures of that. Um, I'll send you a cute video of from the first month or so where she's about as affectionate as she ever got one night, just rubbing her head all over Emma. And it was so freaking cute. But, you know, she's not, she wasn't always a very cuddly cat, but then sometimes she'd get really weirdly cat-like. And I don't know if this was some kind of a brain worm, but she would like start following us around and she would, would, would follow me into the bathroom, follow my wife into the bathroom. She never used to do this. Uh, odds and sods. Uh, she liked laying on a towel in front of uh, the heating vent. So we started like, setting up a little area for her there and she really liked that and what other kinds of things about the cat um we used to make her dance sometimes i'd I'd put my uh hands under her front legs and hold her up in the air and go that 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 and everybody thought that was funny especially me uh other kinds of nice things about the cat is that um because she was kind of like a uh like a, a, a an experiment in gambling or like pigeon pellets where like you could never anticipate what she was, how she would respond to something. Like sometimes like there would just be somebody like back when we used to have housekeepers a million years ago, she would like, she would just hide somewhere until the housekeepers were gone. Cause she was so freaked out. Like whatever was the closest thing she could get under when they arrived, she wouldn't move until we got home. So sometimes that was like, in a corner of a closet and we'd have to go on this like, you know, hunt for the cat. 
One of my favorite memories of the cat that started out extremely sad is, I don't know if you, so you don't, you're not a big magical thinker. Um, but there are situations in life where even if you're not a natural magical thinker, you do find yourself thinking magically. And so like, if you can't find the cat, you're like really wondering if you've lost your mind. Cause you feel like you've looked everywhere for the cat. And then you start looking, as I like to say to my family, that's when you're looking for something, it's important to look in the places you haven't looked yet. And those are all the places you say, well, there's no way they could be there. And there were times where we would find the cat behind the credenza, behind the board games in an area approximately three inches wide, because that's just where she felt like being for a little while. One day after the housekeepers had been there, we were, we couldn't find her. And we looked and we looked and we looked and we looked and we tore everything apart. You start looking in every closet and looking at all over the place. And eventually it was like, I was like, I, I said this to Madeline, not to Emma, but I was like, I got a feeling, you know, they would leave the door open sometimes, understandably. They got stuff, they're bringing the vacuum and all that. And I was like, I got a feeling the cat's gone. I looked in the chimney, John, because magical thinking. And I started looking everywhere. Gremlins. Well, I just, you start getting weird and you start to think like, is the cat in the walls? Like, where is did the you cat? Look, did you look in the refrigerator, in the freezer, in the garbage can? Eventually, I looked literally everywhere. No, like seriously, because it takes an unconventional style of problem solving to go like, there's a place I haven't looked because A, I thought there's no way that the cat could get in there. And B, if the cat could get in there, it wouldn't fit in there. So it, it's sort of like that Warner Brothers cartoon Remember where, where the bulldog loves the cat and thinks the cat's been turned into a cookie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's because, you know, the cat had gone into the flower and then you thought the cat was a ghost. Anyway, we looked everywhere and, at, you know, the next morning, the kid is just frantic. This is probably four years ago. And I printed out flyers, you know, put the flyers into those little Avery protector sheets that everybody puts their cat flyers in. We walked around the neighborhood and, okay, and again, just to state the, the, the probably obvious or inferable was that we had like been walking around, we split up, like Emma stays home, you know, even though she was pretty little, stay home, you know, the cat might come back, left the door open. You're doing all this crazy stuff that, you know, savvy, and we're walking around, we got wetsies and we're yelling for savvy, savvy. And like, and we're all like crying because essentially this cat who's, Way at that time, weighed maybe six pounds, soaking wet. It's completely gone. Like, oh my God, this is, we're just all inconsolable. And, you know, of course, also at this point, it's been 36 hours, something like that. Um, and then uh, we're at the end of our rope and thinking about, you know, how we're going to deal with this. And at one point, I opened our closet door. The cat was under a chest of drawers with an approximately one and a half or two inch clearance. The cat had been under a chest of drawers for over 24 hours and came out and was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to translate for you here from savvy to English. The cat comes out, she shakes a little bit and she goes, what, what? And then putters off and goes, pees on, goes and pees on something. She'd, she'd been in the closet the entire time. So that's a lesson for me on how to search for things. But it was also a tremendous source of relief. And then she's, she was a monster. She was our monster. And we loved her even more now that we'd made flyers of her. Because really, I mean, that's like, you know, you think about wanting to get to go to your own funeral or something. Imagine how that feels for her. 
You know what I'm saying? She's she's been on a flyer. It turns out that she didn't even know the entire time. It's a good thing. Good thing she can't read. I was just thinking, like, you have the leaving the door open in case she want to comes back home, wants to come back home, and that would be the time she decides to wander out of your home. Exactly. The open door. And that's that is it. The the limits of my detective skills run right up against that kind of bad luck. Mm-hmm. And then, so anyway, so we had her for what five years, and she she was missing a lot of teeth, but. The thing, the thing that's been, this is, this is so corny, John, but I just have to be dead honest with you. There's, there's a, there's a funny phenomenon. So she was a fluffy, white, horrific cat. But as much as you tend to focus on her horrible stained face, she was primarily a fluff, a fluffy white cat. And well, fluffy, fluffy is a stretch, but yes. I'm going to send you some photos. I'm going to send you some photos of, I only send you the worst ones. I'll send you some of her being actually almost cute. Not cute by your standards. She's not even a cat-shaped cat, so she doesn't have that going for her. But, um, but she, uh, wait, what was I going to say? Oh, I dropped the thread. Uh, cat, cat. Oh, sorry. Uh, Jim, make that sound better. Um, she's mainly a fluffy white cat. And you start to realize, so the thing that had been happening for a while now is, you know how it is, it's sort of like a, there's got to be a, a name for this psychological phenomenon, but you know, the, like, you know how like pareidolia, like the idea that like humans see faces and everything because we're weirdly attuned to finding faces and things that don't have faces, you know, and like there's like out of the corner of your eye, sometimes you go like, oh no, that's just the throw pillow. That's the fuzzy throw pillow. Or that's the fuzzy like rug that we used to put in front of our fake fireplace that she would lay on. Or that was that thing. Hmm. And since she died, I had to put that stuff away because um, I kept seeing it out of the corner of my eye. I think it was her. And I found out Madeline's been doing the same thing. <laughs> like I see some, I see like, you know, Madeline's got a knee injury so her leg is up and sometimes i would see her foot move and i would think it's the cat and it's so hard to um i had to put away all the fuzzy things it's not it's not helped by the fact that savvy's actual face didn't everything stained look like everything a cat's stained face. looks like our cat it was more of an abstract you know impression of a face so now there's probably so many things in your house that technically do look a lot like savvy's face including savvy's butt it's oh god, it's so black. Okay, I'm gonna add you to this photo group. Um, so anyway, um so long savvy. <laughs> Thanks for being horrible. It sounds like in the grand scheme of things, especially as compared to like Alex's cat, that uh-huh. Savvy was as good a cat as Savvy <laughs> could be. And really that's mm-hmm. all we can ask yeah. of any of us. <laughs> that's really thank you, John. You should be a pastor. I should. I, I should have. If you could do that do in an Irish pet, accent, pet you'd be ceremonies. the best Catholic ever. <laughs> and now we will we will reveal the cat, and it will be like stuffed on like a mounted on a board or something. I don't know. You um, you sent me a a, a few really nice and yet completely on brand John Syracuse texts last night. I, I I know I broke your rule. I showed it to Madeline because it made me really happy. Um, <laughs> but your idea, your idea. I was saying how sad it was that. <sighs> Neither the lizard nor the cat ever rode each other. And my secret speculative fantasy the entire time we've had the lizard was I hope at one point one of them rides the other. I don't care who <laughs> rides whom, but I, I want to see the lizard riding the cat or the cat riding the lizard. And it, I think both would be possible because they weigh yeah, about the same. Yeah, because was very, very slight underneath very all that. Very slight. Part. So did you get the thing? Did you get the? Yep, I got it. Okay. So that's, uh, I'll tell you, uh, 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 after we're done, I'll tell you what this was for, but somebody's offered to do something really sweet for us. Um, but you can see there's a little bit of savvy over time. Do you like the bow tie? 
<laughs> like savvy <laughs> should is savvy, is savvy short short for savannah like is that yes is, is that a nickname uh i'm not sure because because one of emma's best friends is also uh shares that name and so we have to say savvy the cat or, or savvy the person mm-hmm. right but look at that face. Yeah, i think your best shot here is the one uh with backlight fringe like it's like the one two three four five the one right next to her, your daughter in and red and white <laughs> oh that with her face like yeah oh also there's the one i put in the patreon notes that's my favorite photo of her where she, I mean, it's for anthropomorphic reasons. Like she kind of looks like a little person looking to her to the side, like, hmm, you know. But anyway, that's what Savvy looked like. And I left out some of the ones where she's particularly horrific. But boy, you can really see the ooze <laughs> under those dragon eyes. You see the ooze? Yeah. Yeah, no, I see it. I I'm, Look at that I, one. Look I, at that I, one that's uh, pretty on the floor, guitar in the background, five, ninth picture maybe, with her hands folded. Really zoom I'm in sorry, on I don't see one. backgrounds. Uh, you know, you're having fun. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, the ninth one. The one where she's got her little paws folded. Look at look at look at the look at the brown spots in that yep. one. Yeah, no, that's it's it's a it's a mess. Like it's just it looks like a it's mistake. Like the last thing you see in a clown's basement. And the eyes, those eyes are the like the <sighs> most tired eyes of like an like the last of an alien stuff. race found yeah. on the surface of a planet. Yeah. That yeah. cat is. I bet we could have taken her to a VA and they would have just admitted her. Like <laughs> she's got the right thousand in. yard stare. <laughs> For sure, yeah. <laughs> the one of her that's a little overworked, as Tim Gunn would say, but that one of her on the floor in the kitchen, the second to the last one, I really like that one because she looks she looks kind of like a, a kung fu master. <laughs> yes, the really dark one where she's under the table. She's more fluffy. Than you'll you'll have to if you if you would permit, pick one or two of these and throw them into the show notes yeah, somewhere. So 100%. people can look at. Yeah, I'll totally yeah. do that. Yeah. So anyway, that's where we are. There's been talk of, you know, future pet plans. And and of course, because it's my role, every town, every, every household needs a karma suck. There has to be somebody to push back in a household. And, and sometimes you split those roles up amongst different people. And uh, I'm the pet karma suck. And so like, listen, listen, you know, w- one thing, Alex is, uh, I don't like to talk too much out of school about my stupid life, but um, Alex's partner, Matt, is so nice to me and so nice to our family, just so kind and supportive. And I don't want to, you know, be weird about it, but Matt is so nice. And Matt, like Alex, here's the slightest intimation that somebody might not be having a perfect day. And Matt always like parachutes in. And by virtue of his job, is able to send me amazing dog photos. <laughs> and so Matt cheered me up the other day by <laughs> I don't know what this event was, but it appeared to be like, imagine that there's basset hounds, but they're fancy society ladies and having a parade <laughs> and it's pictures of basset hounds and hats, <laughs> like fancy hats. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whatever this is from, like bury me there. I want to go to the fancy basset hound parade because <laughs> next to a corgi, a basset hound is kind of my pick. Another monstrous animal. They got those oh, John, they they got the health problems and oh, the health grotesquely. Problems. Well, I could get a bulldog, but they fart. I could get a pug, but they're high no, maintenance. Like, you're taking all these animals that have just been like like mangled by our selective breeding over the years, yes. and these are the pets you want. Well, no, you know what it is, John. I remember uh, when CGP Gray posted that great video on explaining how AI works. Where like, and if I were to butcher that for us here, it would be something along the lines of you give it information and you keep throwing away the ones that didn't work until you find the one that did. That doesn't mean you understand how it, the AI worked, but it means you found the one that made the thing you want. It's like if you took all of the, the ones that got thrown out and then registered them 
somewhere and bought them wetsies, that's the animals we get, I think. I think we get all the rejected AI animals. But but, but it's the opposite. People bred them and kept those grotesqueries because like oh, this in the case of the squish face animals, breathe they thought, at all. Oh, let's keep this. Yeah. I, uh, that's what I want to do. I want to go back in time to the people who were like, oh, you know, because the story is these animals with squish faces were bred this way because people thought they looked more like a human face because humans don't have snouts, really. Their faces are more or less flat in the front except for their nose. So they bred both cats and dogs selectively to make these smaller versions of these animals with squished up faces, which is terrible for them. And they can't breathe and it puts folds in their skin. They get bacteria or whatever. Yeah, like like sharp, sharp haze, get those infections and stuff. Right. But I can test the premise. Who is it that was living hundreds of years ago that was like, you know what? Animals with flat faces look really cute. They don't. They don't look cute. You know what looks cute? A regular dog. Oh, like, come on. Regular this dogs is your, This is your dog racism all over again. You and your dog-shaped not, dogs. You might I'm as well say white-shaped white. I, do, I just don't I just don't think that that is a cute look or rather I think regular dogs are perfectly for the same for cats regular cats are very cute they're very adorable you don't need to push their faces in but anyway we're, I know we've got what the I ultimate, we've got what now, I want so. what I want ultimately is just a mutt maybe even a senior mutt a mutt that needs a good home that's what I try to say to yeah. my family and they roll their eyes at me I say we'll know when it's right because we'll know the pet that needs us more than we need it well, and that, I, that's the pet you get I don't want to catch you on the pet rebound, but I, like I think I talked about this on past things. My my journey to get our new dog is we well, well two things. One, I will I'm not recommending, but I'm saying this is the thing that we did, which is a pet break. Um, oh because yeah, especially it's like it's like like after know. a breakup where you're like, you know what, take some time. You don't need to go right, right exactly, into the next and it's not yeah. as bad with the cat because it's not as difficult. But like, especially with something like a dog that you're walking, you know, three times a day. To just have a time in your life both to mourn your previous pet and also to have a time in your life where you don't have to walk another creature three times ah, a day. That's so smart. You're absolutely right. Right. I'm gonna, and yeah, I know some yeah. people are like, oh, my, my dog died. I need to get a new dog the next day. You do you if that helps. What I'm saying, but I, I endorse the idea of a pet vacation to sort of reset everything. <laughs> then when you do, yes, when you do decide you're ready, the way I did it was constant web searches. I was, you know, I was saying I'm looking for a rescue dog, right? Uh, and so if God, you look for night, rescue dogs night. on the web, there's a million websites. They're missing all the great lines on community because they're both looking at dog sites the entire time. Yeah. No, but there's, but there's so many websites and you can set up alerts on them and you can have a whole system. This keys into a whole your project thing or whatever. And I just mm-hmm. looked at dogs for like a year. Just looking, yeah. you know, I had all the web, my all my websites set up. I had a bunch of tabs and pages and bookmarks that I would go to every day. And every day I would go through the dogs. And it literally <laughs> took like a year until I found one that was like, is this near me? Does this look like a dog I wanted to rescue? Is it the right age? Is it the right time? You know, yeah, yeah. And that's how we ended up with our current uh, maniacal dog. Um, oh, so, so sweetie pie. I think, but I think that period of time when I was sort of looking at the rescue dogs for like a year was f- important and a healing experience, and really sort of got the you know gears going to get the dog. So, I think that process can be as fun as having a dog. A couple more things I want to put into my giant wisdom document that I'm I'm working on. Uh, there, there, I don't know if you remember this line from my child's very young youth, but I used to say to my kid, because she would ask for something, like say we're at Walgreens, as you do, and she would ask for something. And I would say, honey, we don't buy candy, to, we don't buy food to get toys, and we don't buy toys to get food. Like you can have food and you can have toys, but we don't buy food to get a toy in particular. The other one that I've, been, that I've said for a long time, as recently as two nights ago, my birthday's coming up. You know, I was like, rule number one, we don't buy food to get toys or toys to get food. The other thing is we, you don't give pets as an occasion gift, not just bunny <laughs> rabbits. Like if you wanted to buy a game hen for Christmas, I love that book as a child. You're not, we don't, pets are not presents. 
that would be like getting you a, a, a baby brother as a present. That's really odd. No, you have to say to yourself, how much of my life am I open to immediately displacing? Add 40% to that. And then that's the heart, the largeness of heart that you need to say, like, I'm willing to move the furniture around for this dumb animal to live in my house. And I'm, I'm like, I know I sound horrible when I'm being the way I am here, despite the fact that I would spend an hour or two hours every night petting the cat while we watch TV together. Last thing we really, really watched together. What was the last thing we watched? We watched, um... Uh, oh, we were watching a horror movie together, her and me. But, 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 but the truth is like, God, you people, I know you want an animal and you want to be loved, but man, if instead you think of it more like, uh, another old chestnut from the Merlin tree is like, you know, just because you like eating doesn't mean you'd be a good chef, let alone a good entrepreneur. Just because you like looking at pet finder doesn't mean you're in any position to take care of an animal. That is a big thing. And I just feel like I'm most likely to have my heart open if it's some kind of a terrible, terrible animal that I know needs me. That probably says a lot about me. Yeah. I mean, I think that the whole, the, the experience of looking through all the pet websites and looking at pets, one of the most important aspects of that experience, at least for me and my family, was the act of constantly looking at dogs and not getting dogs. Absolutely. That's so smart. It exercises the muscle, and the muscle is yes. just because you see a dog doesn't mean you're going to get one. And if John, you it's do like that, you and TVs. And it's like it. you and TVs, right? It's like who and TVs? You, you oh, and TVs. And all, you do that. <laughs> it's not. I'm not an. I'm impulse buying televisions is not my problem. Impulse getting pets is your family's problem. So <laughs> I feel well, like they, they need to practice vote, this skill. You know? I get like yeah, three fifths of practice a dab. The skill yeah. of like, we can look at dogs and we can consider them, but we won't get them for a long time. And the exactly. whole thing is, you're, you're looking at them with, with some criteria. You're saying, we, where we live, do we have a giant yard where we're going to let the dog out to? No. Any breed that requires that? Off the list, right? Oh, How right, big? Right, right. Can we have a Great Dane in this house? No. Off the list. And so you start narrowing it down. How big? What kind of breed? Do you, you know, how often do they need to be walked? Are we going to take it outside or do like you, you will eventually refine over the course of weeks and months of not getting dogs, even though they're very cute and very adoptable and, you know, cute, adoptable, single dogs in your area, right? You're not yeah. getting them. And while you're doing that, <laughs> single you, are, dogs in your area. <laughs> you are socializing the idea that over there the on the dog right rail, going, it's letting you know, they want to <laughs> yeah. meet you. Yeah, we're, we're socializing the idea that the Russian right dogs. dog for us has yes. to fit into our actual life. And so even if yeah. you see the cutest Great Dane puppy you've ever seen, we can't have a horse in the house because no. we live in a small place, right? Our neighbors, so you know enough about our place to know that it's not a huge place. And and, and the two stories, living stories of the house, they're you know about the same size, which is around 900 square feet. And when our, uh, what's the second most penultimate our neighbors before our neighbors before our neighbors before, who we eventually learned to really get along with, and it was good. It was pretty acrimonious at first because it was two tech bros who were going to be who going to who were going to SF State, and which is fine, and like very adamant about how they were going to become tech entrepreneurs. And one of the guys owned, I want to say an Akita, but it might have been a Keyshawn, but it was one of those. I, th- I thought it was a Chow because it's definitely one of those. Like you know, you know, sometimes you just see a dog and you're like, oh, that looks like one of those. One person dogs, you know, what I'm talking about <laughs> like one of those, like, you know, be very cautious around that dog. They mm-hmm. had one of those dogs, giant ass dog in this 900 square foot house, and they'd walk it twice a day. And it just seemed like that is a recipe for making it was probably I mean, eating their, their whole place. 
probably eating the whole like place. Yeah, well, yeah, chewing, used the, to... chewing on the baseboards. Yeah, watching the sun bake. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and and like you know, it's like when you put uh, you know John from Patriot in the box. You know, it's like woof. Anyway, speaking of woof, we uh, we talked a while there. Thank you for letting me talk about our our our, our cat. Um, uh, thank you to everybody who's written a, a nice note. Don't feel like you have to do that. It's okay. I appreciate you doing that. Um, but you know, I just, anyway, this is all the internet content that I would like this to be. I said what I wanted to say and I cried and, uh, eventually, you know, there'll be other monsters in my life. One can only hope. 